Welcome, everybody. We are beginning the second part of class 18 in our series on the Westminster Confession of Faith, our Confession of Faith. This is on the perseverance of the saints. We are almost to the end of the section in the Westminster Confession on the order of salvation. And so we are looking at this final uh, uh, link in the chain of our salvation. We'll be looking at assurance next week. But I just wanted to comment briefly. We we finished the first section last week uh, of the chapter. And we'll look at the second section and third section. But I had a a little moment of aha this week as I was looking at uh, preparing for Sunday school. My dad texted. One of my extended family members uh, died this week, and there's going to be a funeral in, in Kansas City, and uh, unfortunately won't be able to make that, but uh, thought about going. And um, I didn't realize this, this person's a member of a Presbyterian church. And I was, I was look, so I looked at the church and looked at their uh, beliefs and vision on their page, and no doctrine, no doctrine at all, just we're going to transform each other. We have more questions than answers. Uh, these are the things that they highlighted on their identity on their website. So that's a progressive church? Yeah, it would be a, what we call progressive. But there's no, there's no doctrine. Uh, and, they, and they, in fact, uh, poo-poo doctrine to some degree. They said, hey, uh, we're tired of those religious guys out there who have a list of answers, but don't really, those answers don't translate into real life. And, and so uh, we actually believe in answers, lots of answers, but not all the answers. We, we can't explain every mystery uh, comprehensively, but we believe that God's Word is absolutely clear on what we are to believe about Him and what duty He requires of us, and that uh, we, can, we can know uh, reasonably what, what He requires of us and, and what, what we should believe about Him. So these are the things that we believe, and, and uh, we, shy, we don't shy away from those things. We are a confessional church. We believe that God has given us clear revelation and we are, as his people, uh, bound to believe what he, revealed, what he reveals to us. He reveals and we, we listen. We hear. We, we receive. We're revelation receivers. Uh, and, and whether we like it or don't like it, we are uh, we're, uh, bound up to, to believe what's right and not to deconstruct it or uh, transform it to meet the needs of our present day. So this one uh, should be relatively uncontroversial. Uh, it's called the perseverance of the saints, but it is controversial. I would um, I would imagine because you're telling me uh, that my salvation and my perseverance in my salvation doesn't have anything to do with what I do, uh, and that's like it's like so, so. So you're saying I could I could fail to uh, be uh, anti-racist enough <laughs> or, or anti. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever it is, I, I, I don't have to meet some standard of external to me in order to persevere along the way. And that's exactly what I'm saying. There is no standard that you have to meet uh, for your salvation because the standard has been met for you in the mediator, the redeemer of God's elect, Christ Jesus. And therefore, you will have perseverance because what you have cannot be lost because it's wrapped up in another who accomplished it for you. These are the things that we treasure. This is our doctrine. So I want, with that said, I want to turn to the second section with you and look at it briefly. It says, this perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will. 
but upon the immutability, immutability of the decree of election. So it roots our perseverance first and foremost in the decree of election, which is in eternity. Uh, your perseverance does not rest upon your shoulders. It rests in eternity in the counsel of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the decrees of God. First, first point, under point uh, two there, Roman numeral two. Secondly, it says, flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father. So therefore, your perseverance does not rest on your love toward God, right? Or your love for others. Your perseverance rests on and flows from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father. If God set his love on you, can you mess it up somehow? There's zero chance of that because his love is unchangeable. His love doesn't vary towards you according to uh, how you perform. Third, upon the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, do you have a mediator? Do you have a priest who is interceding and presenting his blood as your sacrifice, as the propitiation of God's wrath? If you do have that, then all of God's wrath is satisfied. And therefore, what, what, how could you not persevere? There's no more wrath for you. He has, he has propitiated. He has satisfied the anger of God on your sin in the person and work of the mediator, the priest, the intercessor, Jesus Christ. Fourth, the abiding of the Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you united to Christ? Are you effectually called? Are you united to Christ? You, by the work of the Spirit, bringing you into union with Christ and Him bringing uh, Christ into union with you, that is an unbreakable bond, and you cannot run from it. That's the situation, the abiding of the Spirit. The Spirit is God. Do you know that? The Spirit is God. He cannot be thwarted by you. That's another point of your perseverance. The Spirit is God, not just a force that is to be manipulated. He is personally God, and He is sovereign. The Spirit will not be frustrated by you either. And then last, it says, and of the seed of God within them. Again, this is the, the beginning of our sanctification with regeneration. And this will, this will carry on to fruition. Uh, and so one of the things we can see is also our perseverance is going to be related to what God's done in us. And it's going to continue on. And then finally, it says, in the nature of the covenant of grace, just the nature of the thing itself, a covenant by God. He's sworn by himself. He will not break it. He is faithful and by the nature of the covenant of grace and the persons of it, the parties of it, the Father and Son. Uh, okay, so from all this which ariseth also the certainty infallibility thereof. Okay, so this is a, a beautiful, beautiful paragraph that summarizes a lot of ground of Scripture whereby we can have absolute rock-solid assurance of our perseverance. We will finish the race. And we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because of Christ. Let's take a moment and read a few verses here in this. So let's look at um, Hebrews. Uh, we'll go to Hebrews verses. We'll go to Hebrews 7.25 first. Can someone get that for me? We'll just hit Hebrews just to get a representative portion here. 7.25. Okay. okay. What's it say? Yes, at the end of seven. Huh? 
Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Yeah. Um, that would be a, a direct uh, tie to that, uh, I think, third or fourth uh, phrase there, right? Um, he ever lives to make intercession, being Christ. So um, uh, let's go to Hebrews nine twelve through 15 now. Will you read that one also, Cody? Flip the chapter. Mm-hmm. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Mm. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, mm. since the death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Yeah, thank you. As you consider that, you, you look at that, like some of the wording in there, he has secured or obtained it for us, right? Uh, how much more so, right? Uh, we ought to have uh, per, uh, the, 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 how much more so the blood of Christ should do this. Uh, and then the uh, conscience from our dead work should be purged. Uh, mediated of a new covenant, um, yeah, that we might, that we're called, that we might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Uh, this is a, a lot of good, good words there in there um, as you look at it. Let's look at the Hebrews 10, 10, and 14. Also, would someone read those two? It says, we will be, I'll read it. It's got, it says, by, by which will we, uh, will we are sanctified, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It says, our sanctification is uh, definitive or complete in Christ, his once for all offering. In a sense, we talked about sanctification having different senses. Uh, it has a uh, definitive um, uh, stance in the scriptures, and that's the most, mostly when it says sanctified, it's talking about definitive sanctification. But we, we also uh, hear not the word, but the concept level on progressive sanctification, uh, where we grow more to die to the old nature and live to the new, the spirit. We live to the spirit versus the, the flesh. Uh, there's a progressive sanctification, but that progressive sanctification uh, is rooted in the definitive sanctification, which is the basis of our acceptance. We are holy to God. We are sanctified in Christ once for all. It says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, perfected through his offering. We are sanctified. This is definitive statement about who we are and our identity in Christ. We are sanctified. Therefore, we all will persevere. Okay. Any questions? Solid? Solidly stated. That's a, that's a very helpful you know, statement on our perseverance. And then third, let's look at the third section, then we'll discuss these things. Nevertheless, they may, through the temptations of Satan and of the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them and neglected the means of their perseverance or per- preservation fall into grievous sins and for a time continue therein whereby they incur God's displeasure. 
and grieve His Holy Spirit, come to be deprived of some measure of their graces and comforts, have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded, hurt and scandalize others, and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. So we're talking about uh, here our progressive sanctification, right? Our progressive sanctification is hindered and it is uh, wounded by our sins, but that's not the issue of our perseverance. Uh, We are talking about the experience of joy and communion with our God in this section. Uh, This is the nevertheless. These are the things we will continue to battle, it says, through the temptations of Satan in the world and what's remaining in us, the corruption remaining within us, and the neglect. And when we neglect the the means that he's given us, right? What does God require of us uh, is that we believe we repent and we diligently use the means He's given us. These are the things that He requires of us. And when we neglect those things, we are susceptible to falling into grievous sins, as it says, and for a time continuing therein those grievous sins, whereby we incur God's displeasure, grievous spirit, come to be deprived of those measures of graces and comforts that He gives us. Like when you talk about what are the benefits of the covenant of grace, we're talking about assurance of God's love, uh, peace, with God and conscience and with God, uh, all, the, all the benefits that we might feel uh, with God. Well, we're sinning and, and, and wrapped up in a grievous time of neglect of God and our relationship with Him. We will you know, obviously feel deprived of those comforts and graces. And so there's great benefit in seeking to be a righteous man or woman and a righteous follower of Christ versus just neglecting. Uh, our relationship with God and the law of God. And it says we can have our hearts hardened for a time, our conscience is wounded. What's it mean to have your conscience wounded? You just you don't have sensitivity to righteousness. You don't want to do righteousness. You, you have a, a procli- or like a, you're bent towards uh, uh, evil and wanting to do the wrong things, right? Because your conscience is wounded. You don't have a sensitivity to, to uh, godliness. And we live in a, a world of ungodliness. Uh, you know, so that would be, no, uh, no surprise that we might start to, to not see things as they truly are, but to have a wounded conscience that's not sensitive to God's desires and His will. And then we could hurt and scandalize others, right? Uh, how many times you see um, our own sin not just affect ourselves, but affect others in a very negative and, and shameful way. And it's an awful, awful thing to, to bring them into it as well. And then bring temporal judgments upon themselves. Uh, and so you see the way God uh, would uh, would discipline His people in, um, in in the in the Scriptures. Let's look at the the two um, verses that back that up. Let's look at First um, Corinthians eleven thirty two, real quick. Um, and that does anyone know that one off the top of their heads? You've probably heard it a lot. What's it say? Yes, 1132. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Yeah, he talks about how he disciplines us so that we uh, grow in godliness, that we might not be condemned along with the world. I mean, if he didn't love us, he would stop yelling at us. You know, it's like the coaches always just tell me when they were being hard on us, when, they, when, when, we, when we stop yelling at you, it means we don't care. You know, this is like that God disciplines us 
helps us to know he cares, as we see in Hebrews 12, where he talks about the, mm-hmm. the son receives fatherly discipline. Uh, the servant doesn't uh, that, 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 see that, see that uh, a fatherly discipline. Was, this is one way we know the father's love. He relates to us not as the judge, but as the father, the heavenly father, uh, who, who does love us and has our best interests at heart, even though we don't necessarily get it. We don't understand it. We don't, we don't always understand the father's purposes. Uh, you know, um, Joseph, we read about him today, he probably wouldn't uh, have written the story where he uh, has his uh, betrothed virgin uh, wife uh, who becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is not something he probably would have signed up for because it's going to put him in a very awkward, intense situation in his community. And uh, you, you know, it's not, that's not the, uh, the way I probably would have decided my development should be if I'm him, but but it led him to some good places uh, because this is the will of God. Uh, let's look at Psalm 89, 31, 32 real quick. We got that one. <coughs> if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with the rod and the iniquities with strike. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, very straightforward. Uh, if he if he loves us and we break his commands, uh, he will lovingly uh, visit us with stripes, with the rod. Uh, this is a psalm. This shouldn't be a surprise. With Psalm twenty three, the shepherd brings his staff and his rod, uh, the good shepherd, to lead us into good pastures, into into uh, flowing waters, so that we will be refreshed ultimately. Okay, so that said. Uh, uh, any uh, any questions on this uh, wonderful doctrine of perseverance? We finished the, the section with plenty of time to discuss, which I love. Any uh, thoughts on it? As you as it's something you've never seen before in these descriptions, or well, let me ask a question. What are the me? Oh, go ahead, please. On the surface, yeah. Uh, on the surface, it seems it, is, it can seem like this is analogous to one saved, the only saved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know it's different. Yeah. Um, but kind of working through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how was it? Um, yeah. So so as you when we typically talk about once saved, always saved, it's a it's a pleading to look to your, the decision you made, right? So if you made a decision for Christ to be your Savior and to forgive you of your sins and get you out of hell and go to heaven, then that is what the appeal is made to. Trust that you have made that decision and you have put your faith in Jesus at that point in time and therefore God will never reject you because of that. Now, that's not what we're teaching because we're not telling you to put your faith in your decision or the act of your will. We're telling you to put your faith in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and the work of the one God for your salvation. And that because of who He is and what He's doing, you cannot be lost. You know, So that's a, there's a distinct difference in the perseverance of saints and the once saved, always saved. But like you said... At its essence, the same principle applies, right? It's the, it's the object of our faith. Is our faith in our decision or our actions? 
or is it in uh, the work of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? That's my that's my answer. Has anyone else got a better answer? Well, I mean, yeah. essentially, you do believe that, but we just we don't. It doesn't align with what the common, uh-huh. like you said, the common thought is around that term. Yeah. yeah. It's more like we believe that. If you or we are chosen before the foundation of the world, we will be saved and we will will not lose our salvation. Mm-hmm. We we can't. Yeah. Um, and so in a sense, we do believe that, but it's just not in the terms that are that are usually surrounded by yeah. that. How we know it to to uh, be heard. I see it in a lot of ways too, Cody. Where it's like they say that, and it's like once saved, always saved, and it's like. You can justify, uh, you know, again, somebody who said one time, I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. And then there was zero fruit from that actual decision, right? And what is the, what does the Bible also teach? But, like, look at Matthew 4, uh, no, Mark 4, Matthew 13, with the parable of the sower, and that there's apparent fruit, there's apparent growth, but then it's choked out by the cares of this world, by persecution, by the reality of following Christ. And so uh, those people never bear lasting fruit because they were never really uh, part of us. They, they, ha- they had a, a desire for what, we might, what they might receive, but, but they never really um, were united to Christ. And so they didn't bear the 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. Like it says in the, in the parable there, there's the, uh, they're, they're, the seed stolen away, the the seed doesn't have roots. Uh, it's uh, taken by and scorched by the uh, the sun. And so there's a uh, there's only only if it, get, if it bears fr- uh, its roots are into Christ and it, it's going to bear fruit. Uh, so that's the um, that's a, I think there's a you can get into some really bad um, contradictions and and uh, problems theologically just by saying it's in the work of the person's will. Now we believe the person does exercise the will. And and uh, and faith in Christ, right? But we believe that because of all of these greater ultimate causes, which would be um, the immutability of the decree of election, which would be the ever never changing free love of God, not conditional upon me, but free love of God for me, uh, and, and upon the the work of Christ. If we are forgiven of our sins uh, and and righteous in Him, we're never going to see. We're going to never be unforgiven. Uh, and saved from our sins, and unrighteous, because that's what we are in Him, because of His merits. And then uh, the Spirit in us, the seed of God in us, the nature of a covenant itself, and what God's promised to do in it, and all of these things uh, arise from that. So that, that's what I, I want to say that, yeah. I think that's why it's important to, that we, we hold to, like the order of our salvation, like mm-hmm. these things... They all, there's not, they're not, they don't just yeah. set alone in their, like, in their self. They all tie together, mm-hmm. like, chosen before the foundation that we were predestined. Yep. His effectual calling. Like, we cannot resist that effectual calling. Yeah. And he can't, and so the other alternative is that he can't give an effectual call and someone deny it. Like, it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um and if, if that effectual call happens, then we have true faith. Mm-hmm. That true faith will never be taken away. We will persevere to, to eternity. I, was, I would go to Romans 8, 29, and 30 and look that up because I think that is uh, the way that Paul describes those verbs as past tense helps me a ton here. Yeah. That, that we were, uh, those who love God are chosen 
called, justified, glorified, right? You know, we're, we're predestined, called, uh, 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 and then uh, justified, glorified. Uh, as if they're past tense. Even, as if even the future things are past tense, which is the glorified, right? Uh, so so they, they are, because they are inextricably linked to Christ, that we are in Him. So therefore we will receive, uh, you know, predestined, <coughs> called, justified, justified, glorified. I'll never forget where I was. I was at Park City's Presbyterian Church as a college student and heard Sinclair Ferguson preach on this, and he called it the golden chain of salvation, you know, the unbreakable uh, links, uh, which they're all linked together as a chain that cannot be broken because of the nature of the covenant of grace itself. And that's the, that's the key here. So our perseverance of the saints is going to be, uh, you know, we put it right down here because it's an implication. It's chapter 17, and this is back here uh, at chapter 11, and then that's going to be the end, right? So it's like, uh, it's, a, it's logically, it's, uh, it's a topic that once you have this, in place, this is going to be there, and it's going to lead to this. Uh, that's where, where we're going. And that's, that's the reason that the predestination can be true, is because mm-hmm. if it was tied up in anything to do with us, and any of those steps, yeah. the predestination would would be up for question whether it could yeah. be true or could be true. Yeah. But because all those things are tied up into the Spirit and Christ, then the predestination can be true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can, can someone read that for me, that verse, real quick? Uh, anybody got it? Romans 8, 29, 30? Because I, I said it uh, just off the, off the memory, but Tim, will you get it? Yes, I can talk. Oh. <clears throat> for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that when he the first and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Yeah, I, I actually I left one off. I knew I forgot one. For new, which is actually for loved. I mean that's mm-hmm. the that's the the unchangeable unconditional love of God. We're eternally known in Christ, uh, and the Father loves us due to the mediation of the Son. He's the mediator, and so His love for us always unchangeable and unconditional. So that's a, that's the that's the root of the election, uh, foreknown, predestined, called, justified, glorified. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the, that's the situation. So. I want, and so it's like, it's like if you're going to talk about perseverance in the saints, you've got to review the order of salutis. Yeah, it's not just, hey, just remember you made a decision, and therefore trust God. It's like, no, no, that's, like, that's, uh, that's not the right thing. You don't want to put it on you. And so there's going to be, as we see in the third section of this, a serious battle with temptation and sin and, and scandal and uh, grievous sins for a time for some of us. And so it's like, 
uh, and we can incur God's displeasure. Do we really want to rest on what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking or what I can observe? But do, do I really want to go to the thing where, to the point where I'm like, okay, if it's not Jesus, I'm not going to be saved because I I, I I can't look at myself and make a case that I am righteous enough. You know, as we look at uh, the law of God, the demands of the law of God are too much for any person to, to bear. Uh, none of us have, have been there. And the moment we start to minimize those things, we become just like Pharisees where we're just like, oh, well, we're so good. Because but what the Pharisees did, Jesus called them on the Sermon on the Mount, was they said, hey, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees, then you're, then you're out of luck. Because they had uh, taken, for instance, you know, you shall not kill. And made it to uh, you know you know they, they've reduced it down to what that uh, what that means and they've uh, they they taken adultery and reduced it and on and on and on they they've reduced it down to manageable bites where they can say hey I did this I checked the box and as you look at it the problem is not just our external actions it's our heart it's our feelings it's what we are inside is corrupt and it doesn't meet the standard and it's going to lead to external actions as well but but none of us meet the standard okay so any uh, qu- yeah please. Um, some weird question. Mm-hmm. So, with this scripture, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. So, is that saying that God and Christ knew us as souls before we were even born? Correct. Yes. And then, once we were manifested in this physical mm-hmm. self on this earth, so, I mean, that makes sense. Right, that he knows every soul, mm-hmm. even before we turn into a before you were born. born. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just wondering if yeah. I was understanding yeah. that correctly. Yeah, so so he uh, foreknew you, foreloved you, uh, predestined you, called you, and you had to be what for you to be called, you had to be born. Okay, you had to be at some point in time in history, just the full, the right time, called, justified, and glorified. Now, glorified is future. Just like uh, predestined and uh, and foreknown are eternal, you know that's like that's not in time, uh, but glorification's future, justification and calling are in present and past tense, you know. That, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, being reminded that God is outside of time. The challenging part for us sometimes. Yeah, we start to put timeline. on a timeline. We put things on these timelines, but mm-hmm. God sees yeah. all things mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah. From. He had no beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. More follow up to that. So, yes. the flip side, uh-huh. if there is a flip side, you know, are we all predestined then? And then, you know, can we, we, we start saying, oh, then there's some that aren't predestined. Yeah. But are we all predestined since. All those souls manifest yeah. into this physical world. Is is that is that the point where we have to follow me, choose me, believe in me? Yeah, we, we need to. We, yeah. Our our responsibility is believe in Jesus, repent of our sins. I don't know who is elect and who's not elect, right? So I just preach the gospel, and I have confidence that God will do His work yeah. through the gospel. I, yeah. I I present it, and I call for a response. And God will do what He wills. Now, and Paul's wrestling with this as he as he said it in Romans eight, the end of Romans eight. In Romans nine, he's like, "Well, what has God failed? Because Israel, like, that's His people, right? And then all of Israel is not saved, right? So, what are we going to do about that? Well, he's like, "Well, I'm an Israelite, so He hasn't failed. I know a lot of Israelites who believe, but not all of them, because uh, not all of Israel is Israel. So, so that's the thing. And so it says, so He says in nine thirteen of Romans, 
it depends not on the will of man, but on the mercy of God, right? And He will be merciful to whom He's merciful, and He will harden whom He hardens. He will, he will show uh, His justice in those whom He has raised up for those purposes, right? Like Pharaoh would be the example of that. And so we're, we are, uh, the biggest mystery is why any of us are in, the, in, the, in it at all. You know, like none of us should be in there. Nobody deserves this. It's a, it's a gospel good news gift that we receive only through faith, not because we've earned it. And that's the situation is we all have that. And we hold it out. And so we're like, we're like, hey, we don't deserve it. And you guys out there, anybody who wants it can come and get it. You know, it is not, it's not, you know, there's no standard you have to meet prior to coming to this. Uh, you, you, um, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Okay. Basically, faith really, that's what it's predicated on, mm-hmm. the trust in Christ. Yes. In, yeah. In it's it. Yeah, that's it. I'm renouncing all trust in me, and I'm resting on Jesus. So that the wrong view of faith would be like, okay, so I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm just going to modify my, my, my life around the example of Jesus. That's putting it on me. You know, uh, to save myself, but I'm, I'm trusting completely in Jesus for all things. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. We have a good time. Good times uh, uh, talking through this. I hope that's helpful. Let's pray, uh, Heavenly Father. Today we ask you to help us to rejoice in you, uh, that you would, that we would uh, find delight in being called your beloved. Uh, we know that this thing uh, that we re- live in the, the the blessing of the covenant of grace and the life in the body of Christ and the church is uh, was rooted in eternity before we existed, and we thank you that uh, these promises and your will is unbreakable, your love for us is unchangeable and unconditional, and we rest in that, we hope in that. This is our only hope, in fact, and so we pray that you would uh, help us to be diligent in the means that you've given us uh, to cultivate joy in our salvation and, and rejoice in uh, in who you are and what you've done for us, that we might not be negligent of these things, uh, but that we that we would truly trust you that these things are good for us and that they would uh, lead us to to more joy in in Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name that you do that today uh, in the worship service. We we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we'll try to do better next week. We'll be doing.